This is an AMI podcast. In the spring, at the end of the day, you should smell like dirt. Welcome to AMI Audiobook Review, where we talk all things audiobooks on this weekly podcast. I'm your host, Ramia Amudan, here with Nisreen Abdel-Majid and a familiar author hopefully, uh, that gave us this quote today. It's from a book called Bluebeard's Egg by Margaret Atwood. Kind of a nice, hmm, hands-on quote, if you know what I mean. People thinking about gardening, people thinking about outdoors. And and of course, with April, the last day of April, actually, that this podcast is being released, uh, we are thinking spring and with the weather, with the things that we're doing, going outdoors, starting to smell that bloom in the air, the the freshness and and the dirt. So <laughs> that's what's really interesting about it. Thought we'd bring it back full circle. Can't wait for, uh, can't wait to give you the theme for our May quotes, by the way. I've already thought it out, Niz, but I haven't said it out loud yet, mm. so it's going to be fun to surprise you all. So let's move on to the CELA homepage. We love to check out the featured titles list, uh, second heading, and this is at CELALibrary.ca. We're still working with the same titles from the last couple of weeks. Daughters of the Deer by Danielle Daniel. This is a historical fiction. We also have Run Towards the Danger by Sarah Pauly. Family and Relationships category. And the last one on this uh, category or this featured list is Moon Witch, Spider King by Marlon James Fantasy. Talked a couple different fantasy books throughout the month, so love to get that in as well. And Nazreen, you have what's trending. So what's going on in the audiobook world? So audiobooks.com tweeted out this week's top releases, starting off with Finding Me, a memoir by Viola Davis, City on Fire by Don Winslow, An Honest Lie, Taryn Fisher, we're moving to One of Us is Dead by Geneva Rose and I'll Be You, a novel by Janelle Brown. And the last one I'll mention is Unmasked by Paul Holes. And I expected a more lighter list, Ramya, because mm. I feel like the transition to spring, I mean, we're already in spring. It doesn't feel like it, but the transition to spring, I just feel like it should have been a lighter list, but these are heavy, heavy books. Um, yeah, biographies, right? Some of them biographies, memoirs, yeah. uh, that kind of Lots thing. Lots of Real memoirs. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking too, in general, I'm seeing an upward trend in uh, not in the release of memoirs. Obviously, that is an old tale, uh, but people picking up these celebrity and influencer memoirs and people coming out with more and more candid uh, stories and life accounts because I'm not sure if we're just more open to hearing about these things because we're all in vulnerable Mm -hmm. places ourselves. That's the way I connect to it. You know, I'm way more willing to read nonfiction, to read uh, what's going on with other people's lives and how that comes back into my own experiences and mental health just because in the last couple of years, we've all experienced such deep uh, knowledge of ourselves. We've gone to such deep places in exploring um, our own realities. And so it's interesting to tap into somebody else's. What do you think is going on? It is interesting. I kind of agree where um, you feel like there's more vulnerable books now because people can 
tolerate it and people are, are more interested in these vulnerable books because we can relate to them. That mm -hmm. kind of makes sense. I feel like that makes sense. Uh, for the past two years, that's been a main genre, right? Talking yep. about self-reflection, self-development, mm -hmm. mental health. Uh, these are these are big, heavy topics. And you know what? I feel like I feel like you're right where people are just more comfortable to reading those than lighter books, for example, even though I was expecting lighter adventurous books in my transition sure. to the warmer weather. That's just who I am. But but yeah, that's a, that's a good perspective to look at. Yeah, and you've heard both, right? People who've said, oh, I'm really tired of the serious talk. I'm really um, being becoming exhausted or overwhelmed by news and reality and things going on all around the world. And I want that mm -hmm. I want that escape or I want to, to get into a fantasy realm where I don't have to uh, hit play on something real. So I can understand that side of the equation as well. But realistically we are becoming more prone to talking about diversity, um, talking about things that are going on in the world, regardless of you wanting to cover your ears or not, <laughs> put your fingers in your ears, uh, you are probably getting a bigger blast of that kind of stuff. And going back to the point about diversity, more people are sharing more of what they may not have been able to share, let's say five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So things that were super, super hard for them, that is real for them, but maybe they didn't think that it would be a good time to share it. Uh, I'll go back to my reading Will Smith's novel, Will, mm -hmm. self-narrated uh, memoir. And some of the things I was reading is, I mean, if I read that five years ago, I'd be way more judgmental way more critical on the things that he shared. Uh, but now, because we've gone over such a such a delicate time, a time frame, I was more interested, more intrigued, and honestly, just more forgiving, like less judgmental on things that he had gone through, things that he was basically confessing, you know, character traits, uh, et cetera, et cetera. I felt like he was talking very sensitive stuff that still mm -hmm. could be, you know, other people could reflect on themselves. You know, I, I understand that. I feel like a lot of people are open to speaking their minds more. And I was just talking about how podcasts lately have just been people just speaking their minds. They don't care who's listening and they're, they're speaking oh. their truth, what they consider their truth. And it's, uh, it kind of relates to this where there's so many memoirs, there's so many heavy books that people can tolerate people can not judge too quickly and they have more perspective different perspectives on these novels and these biographies so uh i it's it's an interesting turn don't you think yes yes yeah. i think so i think um having more free speech free expression but also just being able to put your own story out there there's definitely the good and the ugly with doing that. Um, but regardless of how you feel about it, I think it's um, trending upwards for sure. Yeah, it never used to be cool. like that. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nowadays we're becoming more open. Absolutely. This is AMI 
my audiobook review. So we're talking audiobooks. Let's get into pause or play. I'm going to give you a little bit of a synopsis of a book that intrigued me. This time it's not one of the ones from the featured uh, list on Sila, but it is something I found on Sila, and I'm intrigued to hear your reaction and response to it. It's called Consuming History, Historians and Heritage in Contemporary Popular Culture. It's written by Jerome DeCroote. It was released in 2016, and here we go. Consuming History examines how history works in contemporary popular culture, analyzing a wide range of contemporary cultural entities, from computer games to daytime television. It investigates the ways in which society consumes history and how a reading of this consumption can help us understand popular culture and issues of representation. Jerome de Groot probes how museums have responded to the heritage debate and how new technologies from online gameplay to internet genealogy have brought about a shift in access to history. Discussing the often conflicted relationship between public and academic history and raising important questions about the theory and practice of history as a discipline. This book contains examples from sources such as Wolf Hall, Game of Thrones, and 12 Years a Slave. It considers new groundbreaking texts and media, such as YouTube, in addition to entities and practices such as reenactment that have been around, around but underrepresented in historical discussion thus far. Consuming History offers an essential path through the debates for readers interested in history, cultural studies, and the media. Going around the table, as we always do with pause or play, would you hit it on this book or not? Nizreen, coming to you. I think I would hit it. I would give it a chance. I'm not used to listening to history books or even reading history books back in the day. It was only for school. Uh, but since it includes media and different cultures uh, added to it, maybe I'd give it a chance. It sounds interesting. Yeah, because it's like not even just the history, but the analysis of history, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Greg, pause or play? I love the cynicism in uh, Nizreen's voice when she said history. Um, yeah, I would I absolutely <laughs> check this out. I, I would definitely hit it. Uh, you said you had me from the word history. I'm a huge history buff. And then uh, it really interested me to hear about the fact of like Game of Thrones or Wolf Hall, which is actually yeah. a book that I'm looking into buying uh, the trilogy. Uh, I was just checking that out the other day. Um, that's where I get really excited as well. So I'm a fan of history, but love to hear, you know, with the modern day uh, take of, of, you know, a media being worked into the story as well. Yeah. It's yeah, nice. Exactly. There's a modern touch to it. Yeah. Pretty much. Right. There's just like the, how we're doing it, how we think of history. Do we even care about it? Do we understand the representations of, um, legitimate history? I love the, the concept of like academic versus public history, uh, because that's a huge one for somebody mm -hmm. who's all the time looking into things, um, and the, you know, resonance of history in everything they consume versus someone like me who's like, oh, that's nice. I didn't even realize um, <laughs> is, is such a difference, like a vast spectrum of how we um, delve into it. But definitely the part about pop culture, um, the, which seems to be a huge portion of this this book, you know, the the way that pop culture explores history, even in 
I'm just going to put my own take in there, even in futuristic things or um, dystopian things, I think would be a real fascinating things to analyze. So this is Consuming History, Historians and Heritage in Contemporary Popular Culture by Jerome D. Groot. You can find this on Sela, as I said. And now we move on to checking in with our reader, our guest of the day, opening up the space to review, discuss, recommend, browse, conceptualize, and reminisce on audiobooks. Sometimes with a new member to the audiobook community, I wanted to kind of preface that. We welcome in Greg David, who's our communication specialist here at AMI. And Greg, you read books. Um that's, yes. that's not the question here. Yeah, you also watch a lot of TV. But how many books do you typically get through? Let's say in a week or a month, however you time frame it. Oh, that's a great question because I kind of go in spurts. Unfortunately, I spend a lot of time on social media, way too much time. So when I, hmm. it's sometimes hard to just kind of like, okay, Greg, put your phone down and, and pick up a book. Um, but I probably, if I'm right into the book, I will, um, you know, finish it, start it and finish it in the same weekend. It depends on how thick the book is, but that's generally, if I get into it, then I will consume it. I'm not one of those people that have three or four books on the go. I find that too confusing. I need to focus myself. Um, mm. so yeah. And, and for the, about, again, it depends on if I get into a groove or not, but I, I could probably will read, um, probably 10 to 15 books a year, maybe. Nice. And if you, you know, binged a book in a weekend, right, and then you, uh, it was part of a trilogy or a series, would you get right into the next book or do you need to pause? Oh, wow. That's, I've never been, oh, I've never even thought about that before because I've never, I've never been in that situation. I think I would probably continue on. Okay. All right. Kind of like with Netflix, um, right? When that new episode pops up, you just have to keep on going. Yeah, to keep going. And that's why it's hard to wait the whole week, right? It's better to wait till the <laughs> yeah. whole season's over and just like grit your teeth and <laughs> get into it afterwards. Um, Greg, so you hear us talking about audiobooks all the time and you finally got the chance to try one yourself. So technically, this is your first audiobook listen and we're here to get the real-time scoop on how it went for you. So what platform did you experiment with, first of all? <laughs> So I'm an Amazon Prime subscriber, and for the longest time, I've gotten those emails saying, hey, you know, you have access to Audible, and you get two credits for free, and then it's whatever the monthly fee is after that. So, um, you know, when you asked me about being on, I thought, oh, this is a perfect opportunity for me to try out mm -hmm. Audible for the very first time. And I'm cited, uh, you know, if you didn't get that from the fact that I read books, I am cited. So I thought this was a really unique um, opportunity for me to to enter it and, and have this discussion. Um, so, you know, coming from the standpoint of already uh, paying Amazon Prime, I mean, I, I'm not paying, I wasn't <laughs> going to be paying extra for Audible, but I think it's $14.95. Um, but anyway, uh, so I, uh, the first book that I downloaded is, uh, I'm, I'm a Stephen King fan, and I have been since I was 11 years old when I read Cujo. And so I, I thought, okay, let's go at it from the angle of I've just spent a much of my life reading the books myself and having the voice in my head. So what's it like going at Audible where it's somebody else's voice reading a book that I love back to me? 
And that's mm-hmm. when I decided to uh, pick The Dead Zone, which is one of my favorite Stephen King books ever. It was written in 1979 or came out in 1979. And so when I went over to um, Audible, and I'll also preface this by saying that Stephen King books are available on Sela. I checked that beforehand. So um, just, just so you know, The Dead Zone and other books are available there. But when I went over to The Dead Zone and downloaded it from Audible, James Franco is the narrator. Um, so this is really interesting because there used to be a gentleman that uh, narrated Stephen King's books early on, and now there have been a lot of actors and actresses. So Will Patton is a well-known name. Uh, he's an actor who's narrated a bunch of Stephen King's books. Um, and I was going at it from, I like the book, but now do I like the voice? And it's weird because it's James Franco. You know, you Google him yeah. and you watch the movies. And now all of a sudden he's reading a beloved book in my head. And while <laughs> I liked it, he was putting emphasis on words that I didn't put emphasis on when I was reading the book oh. in my head. Uh, so that was well, really I got to pause kind you there. Of- yeah. Does this also come from because, you know, you we hear your voice uh, on AMI, you come on Kelly and Company every other week to talk television, you get on uh, now with Dave Brown, the morning show. So you're also pretty familiar with voice work yourself. Um, right. So when you say he's emphasizing words that I wouldn't, does that also pop into your head? Like, you know, the way that I've been reading it <laughs> with the voice in my head is a particular way, even in the performance aspect. Yeah, I think so, because we all picture uh-huh. a voice in our heads when we're reading something, right? Like, it's not when I, I don't think when I'm reading, I'm I'm listening in like Greg's voice and, and Rami, I'm not, I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know whether mm-hmm. it's m- or my own voice that I'm hearing in my head when I'm reading something. So to have somebody else's voice in my head reading those words that I know so well was definitely a learning curve for me. And it was a little bit jarring at first. Wow. Okay. And how long did that last you? Because you, you decided to go with the book. <laughs> Um, yeah. you, you picked your favorite book there's so there's no way you're gonna be like oh no I hate it and then put it down I mean that, that to me would be tragic uh, to pick yeah. your favorite book go into audiobook and say this was the worst ever I shouldn't have done this <laughs> yeah uh, it's it's still a little bit of I've gotten used to it I've gotten used to James Franco's uh, delivery uh, I think that's also part of it too I listened to a couple of the samples because you, you know you can do that before you actually purchase sure. the book and there were certain voices that right from the get-go I thought okay I don't like that I listened to tons of podcasts and it doesn't take long for me to decide to not subscribe or to unsubscribe to a podcast than the person's voice I think you, we you know you and I can both agree on that that the person's voice mm-hmm. And you, is 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 so important that if you don't have a connection with them then you're out so it took me a while for to, me to get used to James Franco and the way that he was speaking but now I'm all in but the interesting thing about it is that there are times where he doesn't read with I think enough emotion um, there isn't enough of an up and down and a lilt in his voice when he's delivering some of the lines in some cases they're quite monotone so that still is a little bit jarring and take takes me out of the experience a little bit anyway. Right. So with Stephen King, I mean, he has such a pronounced way of writing, right? And that's not even to to talk about the plot. It's just his style. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm thinking a lot of times people, audiobook community, uh, we jump at the chance to hear our favorite celebrity or influencer um, narrate a book. You know, that that's yeah. one of the ways that you can search now, search through narrator because you love them and you can imagine them. But in this case, you're saying maybe not this person for this 
type of book. And I'm curious about that because, you know, would you have been able to pick another person who would have maybe better narrated this book or in your I'm case, more preferably? Yeah, I'm glad that you asked me this question because um, the other credit that I used was for Stephen King's book on writing, which is a book about writing. And guess who right. the narrator of that one is? It's Stephen King. So, Amazing. yeah. And I mean, so then to hear him, you know, reading his own book gave me a totally different experience because now it's the author reading their own words. And I think mm -hmm. that that brought... And I don't know if it's because I'm a Stephen King fanboy or not, probably, but I just found that it was a lot that that him reading his own book was a lot more accessible to me and a lot more enjoyable. Not to take anything away from James Franco. I don't think that he's a bad guy and I don't think that he's a bad narrator. It's just like to me, he seemed a little bit miscast. It's like, you know, when you read a book and you, you watch the television show or the movie and you and you don't necessarily agree with the casting choice that they made for that character. I kind of felt the same way that I did with James Franco and the dead zone. Oh yeah. We're definitely going to be sending this episode to James Franco. So that he can <laughs> oh, yeah, do his and... fan club. <laughs> exactly. Um, your impressions on audible itself. I'm not sure how much time you had to kind of navigate, but I am super intrigued to ask you that question because most of the time when I'm having conversations with community members, it's people who've, you know, we, we have our favorites, we've picked our mm -hmm. platforms, we love, we compare, we contrast. Um, but for you, you have used Audible as your first um, option, uh, first choice. What do you think of the navigation? Did you play around with any of the bells and whistles like sleep timers and speeding up the book and all kinds of stuff, bookmarking, etc.? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I played with all of that because I downloaded it. Of course, you can listen to it on your on your laptop, but I, I downloaded the app onto my phone and I did. I, you know, I, I stopped it. I bookmarked it, came back. It worked well. I did the, the sleep timer as well to try it out, which was cool. You can do that with your podcast players as well. So uh, that was neat. I didn't mess with the playback and speeding it up because I thought that and I should have because it was just for fun, but I didn't do that. I just stuck with the 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 real time um, because I do know like, do, what do you prefer, Ramya, when you're listening? Do you do the two times or like one and a half times? What's your preferred setting? One and setting? a half to okay. 1.75 is my general scope. Um, sometimes if a performer is more fast spoken, then I'll, you know, turn down my speed up a bit. But, it, you know. Okay, yeah, because James Franco, his delivery was very slow and methodical. So I probably sure. could have, I could probably could have sped him up a little bit. And I wonder if that made a would have made a difference in the way that you took it in. Because when you read visually, um, you read pretty mm -hmm. fast, even with the, the mm -hmm. voice in your head. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So okay, that's really interesting. Um, now, browsing or or searching up things. Are you an algorithm person? you know, who takes in what Audible suggests for you, et cetera, et cetera, or are you just going to go down the list of anything and everything available by Stephen King? <laughs> No, I'm, I'm going to move away from Stephen King. Uh, this was just like the test and, and to see how I like it. And I do like it. So I'm probably going to um, delve into historical stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm on this weird kick where it's all about nonfiction. You talked about Antarctica in the last, um, in the last podcast. And I really yeah. enjoyed that. I actually just read a couple of books about Antarctica uh, recently. So I'm a big fan of uh, nonfiction right now. That's a phase I'm going through. That's probably more than a phase because it's been a few years now. 
but I'm pro I'm going to head over that way and I'm going to check out some travel uh, travel books and and historical travel books and and uh, pro probably Antarctic and Arctic um, exploration. Well, I'd love to hear your thoughts um, as we kind of wrap up here on our discussion, mine and Nizreen's earlier, about people picking up more memoir, more candid um, accounts of their own stories, their own lives, you know, whatever it is, where we feel like we can talk more openly about the heavier things that we're reading. Do you think that's new, Greg, or uh, has it always been around in some way or shape? Yeah, I think it's been around for a while, but I, I do think, you know, I agree with you when you were talking about it before. I think it's it's become more prevalent. Um, I, you know, I don't know. It seems as though because of the pandemic, we've all been at home. And so now we're, we're maybe wanting to reach out to people and kind of understand what they're going through, depending on what it is. Um, you know, I, I, I've, I've read Gene Simmons' um, memoir. I've read Paul Stanley's memoir. I most recently read Dave Grohl's memoir. And actually, I might check that out and see if it's on Audible and see if he's the reader for that one, because I really, really enjoyed that. That. Yeah, I do like memoirs and, and biographies because it, it, you know, it pulls back the curtain on, on those people. And in Dave Grohl's case, he talks, you know, very honestly about the things that he's gone through in life. And I found that really relatable. I thought he mm. was a cool guy anyway, but now I feel as though I, I know him even more now. So maybe we can go and find a James Franco memoir and then come back to the table with that when he's read his own story, huh? Well, we'll, we'll have the James Franco memoir and it'll be read by Stephen King. <laughs> exactly yeah. completely turn everybody on their heads greg super awesome talking with you um i'm thinking that this is just the beginning and next time we could do a catch-up where you've had uh, a bit more audiobook listening under your belt and you know keep in keep in touch that sounds great thank you so much for having me awesome greg david he's our communication specialist here at ami and of course his voice uh, all around the network here to talk audiobooks with us next week we'll be back with our friends from sila library karen mckay and Teresa power until then happy audiobook listening This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. Hi, I'm Stephen Scott. Join me every day for Double Tap. It's a show where we occasionally talk about technology for blind and partially sighted people. You'll find us wherever you get your podcasts.